Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 244. And today, like we are every week on Wednesdays, we're back with another Rut Radio episode in which we're catching you up on the latest deer and rut-related reports from across the country, getting you the info on the conditions, the deer behavior, and the tactics you need to know right now. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And we are here for our weekly Rut Radio mini-series. It's me and Spencer. And we are going to do what we do every Wednesday, which is walk you through a series of reports from hunters across the country to get us an idea of what's happening right now in the whitetail woods. What kind of deer activity, um, what kind of tactics are working, how is the weather and other conditions present influencing deer movement and hunting, basically everything you need to know to make sure that your next few hunts are going to be successful. That's what we're going to try to get you today. And Spencer, I don't know about you, but anecdotally, looking across the country just from like my social networks and stories and then also a little bit of my own observation i feel like the last seven to ten days have been one of the better mid-october time periods that i can remember do you feel the same way uh i I feel like i've seen a lot of deer hitting the ground um I, i don't know if i've seen it like super isolated to a couple day stretch like we did uh the two weekends ago so like I think it was October 13, 14, uh, in that time period, the episode before that, people were predicting that there'd be a lot of deer moving around because of the approaching cold front, and that seemed to happen. There were a ton of deer killed that weekend. Since then, I'd agree that I've seen a lot of bucks killed, but I don't know about like that really tight couple-day window like we maybe saw a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was definitely the best, I think. That, that When that front hit, that was awesome. But from that, like about the 13th to about like a couple days ago, it just seemed like it seemed like my Facebook feed looked like November. Compared to most Octobers, Octobers, you're just not seeing that many of them hitting the ground. It just seemed like, wow, people were having a lot of success. So that was exciting to see. Um, what... What are we hearing, though? Do you have any, can you give me any kind of trend as far as what your reports have given us for this coming week or what they've been hearing? So let's back up. Like two episodes ago, people were really excited for the approaching cold front, so we were hearing some super optimistic numbers. Last week, things had kind of tapered off, and what you'd expect for mid-October as far as predicting on a scale of 1 to 10 what they think the buck activity would be. And this week, we're climbing back up again where people are optimistic. However, I I wouldn't say it's like it was a few episodes ago where – People were feeling the, the cold front coming through and were excited about the pressure changes and stuff like that. And it's also not like last year. If you recall last year, Mark, uh, we had some just perfectly timed cold fronts. If you took a calendar and circled days where you wanted cold fronts, we got them. Um, this year is not the same thing. I, I don't see any cold fronts in like the Great Plains approaching anytime soon. And uh, the hunters that we talked to this week don't address that either. So the optimism that you're going to be hearing and the confidence that people feel about the the buck movement picking up, that's because we're approaching November, not so much because there's a specific moon phase, weather pattern, pressure change, um, food status, 
something like that that's kind of driving those deer to get on their feet. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And um, to that point, I just looked at my like two-week forecast for here in Michigan. And what we have coming up is very stable weather. It doesn't seem, now of course this could change drastically, but as of right now, they're predicting almost the same general temperatures for highs and lows for the next two weeks. So that typically would be something that I wouldn't be as excited about, right? Because sometimes we tend to see that there's some, some increases in movement around those changes in temperature, around those fronts moving through, and you'll get this burst of activity. Um, for the next two weeks, I'm not seeing that. But on the bright side, at least here where I'm at, it seems like that temperature is going to be holding below average temperature the whole way. So we don't have any of these warm fronts, like these dreaded late October, early November warm fronts that we seem to get every year where there's a few days there, you know, for us here in Michigan, if we get a couple days over 70 or in the high 60s, that's like a huge suppressor of rutting activity. At least right now, knock on wood, I don't see that coming my way. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that influences things. If we're just going to have this kind of steady movement that slowly tapers up as rutting activity tapers up, um, since we don't have a big front that's going to come through and, and hit you know the accelerator. Um, but I guess, I guess as I'm saying all this, I'm not going to complain because I'll take 45 to 50 degrees uh, any day of the week, um, any time of year. Usually, it's not too bad. So. Um, What's the point of me saying all this? I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling as I think about this weather. It's got me excited um, for 45 degrees on October 30th when I'll be hunting the Holyfield property next. <laughs> to that point, I think there's a few things you can take away from that. One is that uh, you don't have to feel pressure to like be out there on a weekday necessarily where – uh, if we did have a cold front coming up like next Wednesday, you'd feel super guilty for not being in a tree stand on October yeah. 31st with uh, a cold front coming through. You know that uh, you know October 27th through November 3rd are probably going to haunt very similar to you know like a, a midweek day when there's no cold front. The other thing to consider is that as you look ahead to these forecasts, if we see that stable weather, we're probably seeing stable wind as well. You're going to get a lot of uh, you know, four or five days in a row with the exact same wind. And so keep in mind that do a checklist. If you have enough stands to support like a, a ton of consecutive same wind days. Uh, so you're not burning an area out before we get to the best hunting of the year in early November. It's a very good couple points there, Spencer. Um, I have had situations like that happen before. So that's a great thing to keep in mind. Um, so, that said then, we've got pretty stable weather patterns coming up. We're moving into late October, which generally is that time when the pre-rut is picking up. We're starting to see bucks, mature bucks, starting to move a little bit earlier in the day or move a little later in the morning. So we're going to see that daylight activity picking up. Sign making is definitely picking up. Um, I can give you a little Michigan report if you're okay with that. I pulled cameras a handful of days ago and have also been observing a lot. Um, on a couple, mainly my, my Holyfield property, been sitting on the hill doing a lot of observing. And there's been a lot of daylight activity from kind of young, mature-ish bucks. So like two-year-olds, three-year-olds, tons of activity right now. The scrapes are just getting blown up, um, including, you know, like I said, even in the daylight, fence fence line scrapes in the daylight even are getting hammered by like pretty nice Michigan bucks. So that's been interesting to me. Uh, and I think I've been attesting most of that to the front, the cold front, the cold weather that pushed through, I think got these deer a little more comfortable 
And these are very unpressured deer where I'm at, or at least I'm keeping this specific little chunk as unpressured as possible. I haven't hunted at all. Um, so that's kind of what I've seen. I give it like a higher end of the one to 10 scale for my last few days, just from what I've been seeing, like a, like a seven, maybe, um, have seen three-year-olds, a couple bucks that I've been on the fence if they're three or four, seen those deer moving in daylight the last like three or four days even. So, um, that's my Michigan report. Across the board, I also did hear, and I know we're going over the time limit, Spencer, so I'm sorry to, to keep doing this to you. Um, <laughs> but I had another friend who was out three days ago, so this would have been like the 19th maybe, and he saw two mature bucks fighting. He saw nine bucks total. He saw bucks chasing. He saw like full-blown running action on that day. I think it was the morning of the 19th or 20th. Um, so that was interesting. I think it's an anomaly, right? I'm not claiming that there's some of kind of like the ruts happening right now. But it was an interesting anomaly to see that every once in a while you see something like that happen at this time of year, and um, it caught my attention. So that's what I've been seeing. Do you have anything uh, you personally should share? Uh, not personally. I have been kind of taking it easy lately because once we hit this weekend, I'll have about a month straight where I'll be hunting. I mean, literally every day for about a month I'll be hunting. So until then, I haven't been doing too much, so I don't burn myself out or burn my wife out from being gone so much so nothing personally but as far as who we talked to this week we have josh mcdaniel in indiana from shooters archery and then philip vanderpool in arkansas from the virtue tv then we talked to justin mykow from everwild collective in new york and then from captured creative taylor coleman in minnesota do you have one takeaway from the conversations you've had so far um or anything else as far as something that people should think about over the next six to seven days um, I, I don't know about from who we talked to today. I, I guess one thing is referencing last year's episode again is that every single person we talked to brought up acorns. And this year, unless I prompt it and, and ask them about acorns, that doesn't really come up. And so acorns are not so much of an issue, of an issue this season. You can probably look to some of those more traditional food sources, food plots, uh, agriculture, that kind of thing. Okay, I like it. I will give a quick one too, um, and that being this next week, the last week of October, typically is one of your best chances of the year if you're trying to kill a specific deer. Because once you get into November, once you're in the peak of the rut, lots of times these mature bucks, they, they get off of their usual patterns, and they just start going willy-nilly, they're chasing does, they're cruising larger areas looking for a female that's willing and ready to go. So he's not going to be doing what he typically does. But if you have a specific buck that you've learned a lot about, maybe you've got a few years of history with, you know some of the places he generally beds, you know some of the places he generally feeds, and you think you know how to get in between those two, if you have that information, this might be your very best chance to get that shot because he's still going to be generally on that pattern. But because we're ramping up to the pre-rut time period, he might be moving in daylight just a little bit more. So this might be that period to catch him moving daylight, but still in a place that you understand him and you know about him before he starts going crazy in November. Now, not all deer are like that. I've had bucks that, you know, stay consistent in a tight area during the rut year after year, even in the first or second week of November. But something to keep in mind as a lot of mature bucks tend not to do that. Yeah, and for some guys who target specific bucks, this is literally their favorite time of year to be hunting. They would take, uh, you know, the October 20s over the November 
you know, single digit days. So if, if there's a deer that you've been after that he's been nocturnal for the most part, this might be your time to catch him moving before he completely breaks away from that, uh, and loses his mind come early November. Yep. So, uh, if that's you, I'm going to cross all my fingers and toes for everyone listening. If you've got a specific buck, hopefully, uh, hopefully you can get after him. So Spencer, anything else before we get on with the reports? One last thing while you were, uh, Giving that last bit of information about targeting a specific deer, I did check out the forecast for wind direction, and 12 of the next 14 days are predicted to be north winds. And so, like I said before, keep that in mind. Uh, maybe don't burn out those north wind stands quite yet, or if you have a south wind stand that you really love to hunt that you've been you know, holding off for early November or something, get in those as soon as possible because you might not have any chances to hunt it before the best action gets here. Yeah, I'll I'll add one more thing now. <laughs> um, I can't personally say that I pay attention to this as much myself, but Mark Drury always talks about if you've got a long, consistent spell of north winds, the first south is going to be really good. That first change could be one of your better days. So we've been talking about this stable weather. Well, if there's a shift in wind direction, that might be one of those sparks that changes things. So if you're looking for a time to switch things up or time to dive in, um, that first south might be something to take advantage of. Just a thought. All right, let's get out of here with that and go to our first caller. Sounds good. All right, but before we get to our first caller, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Justin Mason, a land specialist out of Illinois. And Justin is going to be telling us about what some things are to consider when looking at a property that frequently floods. I think the biggest thing to consider when looking at a, a property that floods, there's a misconception that flooded ground doesn't hold deer. And I, I have found that personally on my own farm to be false. Um, I had perfect video of this just a couple of weeks ago. The river got up less than 48 hours later, the deer were, were back in there. So I think what, if you have property that floods, you need to try to identify kind of that high ground and make sure you know, that the high ground has as much food and cover on it as you can get. That way, when it pushes those deer out, they have a place to go, and hopefully you can still keep them on your property without losing them to your neighbor. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Justin currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Mason. That's M-A-S-O-N. All right, and joining me on the line first is Josh McDaniel from Shooter's Archery in Indiana. And Josh, in Indiana, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, right now I'd say we're looking at a probably a 6. Like I said, I say a 6 because I'm not really seeing uh, a lot of mature bucks walking during daylight a whole lot yet, especially from uh, from the hunts that we've been on and uh, what the cameras are telling me. I am seeing a lot of 2-year-old, year-and-a-half-year-old bucks um, definitely getting out about a little bit more. Uh, so I guess if, you know, that buck activity is definitely revving up, it's, it's on a little bit higher scale, but the caliber deer we're looking for, it's still a lot of nighttime activity, but I am getting, getting a lot of pictures of them starting to cruise around a little bit and, uh, start to scrape the breath quite. Are you finding a lot of sign making in the woods right now? Oh yeah. Right now, uh, this is the last few days. <clears throat> I've been out checking cameras and moving some cameras this time of year. I like to really start to, uh, uh, either put cameras on scrapes or start to make my own mock scrapes where I've always seen existing scrapes in the past. And uh, a lot of times they're just on the edges of food sources where I can get in and out. 
just kind of get an inventory. And um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday and the day before I was out. And man, I tell you what, it's it's kind of this last cold front really got them revved up, and there's rubs and scrapes everywhere right now. Especially uh, along food sources where a lot of these big doe groups are, I find a lot of those big uh, those big hood style size scrapes everywhere. So um, I definitely think it's in the right direction. Now, all my cameras are still telling me it's a lot of nighttime activity for the mature bucks, but you know, you know what comes next. So kind of definitely exciting. Do you use that information for any hunting purposes? And what I mean is, when you find all those scrapes lit up along a food source. Will you set up and hunt there, or are you just using that for inventory on what bucks are around? You know, for the most part, I'm kind of using that for uh, inventory. But every once in a while, uh, you know, you get these cameras on here, you'll get one of those bucks that are just super killable over those scrapes. And, um, you know, especially uh, when you get a lot of these big doe groups that are all in this food source, uh, these bucks, these mature bucks are going to keep an eye on them. And they want to be the first when one of those do, the does decide to pop. So, um, you know, if I get one of those mature bucks that are showing me he's there every other day, every, every day during daylight, you know, I, by all means, I'll slip right in there and try to kill him. Um, and you know, this time of year, I'm really trying to be careful. I don't hunt a whole lot of mornings yet. Uh, a guy could get lucky, but I just feel like myself, I'm, I'm doing a lot more harm than good. And, uh, I'll just let those cameras and, and, you know, observation sets that I'm sitting in kind of tell me what's going on. And then as soon as I start to get one of those bucks that are, uh, Show them they're killable. We'll kind of dive in with the right wind. But yeah, those uh, those, those scrapes are mostly for inventory. Uh, a lot of those cameras I got on them. But like I said, one out of one out of ten will show you there's a buck that he's wanting to be shot now, and you know we'll dive right in there and shoot him if we if we can. What would get you making a morning setup sooner uh, than late October? For example, tomorrow, if if we had the correct moon phase or a cold front or you know rising pressure, what might that be to get you hunting some mornings sooner? Uh, yeah, you know, if, if, if I got that cold front coming in, uh, now that we're into the twenties of October, um, you know, now if I get that, the high pressure morning with, uh, you know, we're down in the, in the thirties and, uh, you know, and these cameras, you know, like I said, they're telling me they're all, it's all still pretty nocturnal stuff. So I, it really takes something good for me to, to get out there. But now that, like I said, now that we're getting into the twenties of November or uh, October, sorry, um, it's about that time, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that first morning, and it's definitely going to take a good cold front for me to, in a high pressure morning, to get out there. What are your calling strategies for this time of year? Will you do any blind calling, or do you for sure have your grunt tube with you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is my favorite time of year to call because, uh, you know, a lot of these bucks, these mature bucks, are just starting to get revved up, and the does aren't quite ready yet. Um, you have an occasional doe, a little pop here and there, but for the most part, majority of the does are, you know, they're not ready, but a lot of these bucks are. So you get on some of these food sources, especially if a lot of my sets, if I'm not dove, if I haven't dove right into where I need to be yet, I'm still kind of an observation set, but I'm still in a spot that I can kill one. You know, a big dude comes out into a field and he's pretty far away. You know, sometimes all it takes a few, few tending grunts and he's on his way and he can, you can see the deal automatically. Um, but they're, like I said, they're really, they're really fired up. A lot of them. And, um, that's all it takes. They're looking, you know, they're so frustrated. And, uh, you know, a lot of the bucks are still kind of pushing each other around, trying to uh, find out who the dominant ones are over um, for, the, for the rest of the, the rut. And uh, I'll even tickle the horns a little bit this time of year. I usually don't get too crazy with it, but uh, I have been seeing a lot of sparring already with a lot of these two-year-olds. And sometimes that might be all it takes to entice one of those big dudes that were going to come out 
after dark might be enough to get him, you know, 30 minutes before last shooting light to get on his feet and give you the shot you're looking for. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Indiana? Oh, this next week, um, as far as mature bucks, again, uh, I think we're going to be at a 7 on its way to an 8 as long as the weather cooperates. Uh, I'd love to um, I'd love to get after it that last week of uh, October, at least the last three or four days before Halloween, if the weather's right. And then, uh, obviously, we start to roll into sweet November. So then anything can happen. It's just going to go up a little bit every day. Again, as long as the weather's good. Um, I'm really looking forward to, like I said, probably a 7 going into an 8 this next week. All right, Joshua, I'm sure you and Kristen will have a BBD here very soon. So good luck, and thanks for joining me. Hey, good luck to you, too. Good, man. Thanks. All right, and joining us on the line next is Justin Michelle from New York from the Everwild Collective. Now, Justin, in New York, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, buck activity has been around a 6, I would say. I think we're beginning to see quite a bit more movement uh, with these bucks, and I know the past two or three times we've been to the woods, uh, there's quite a bit of sign that's popping up. So we got rubs and scrapes that are, uh, you know, traditionally where we thought they would be, but even some popping up in new spots. And uh, we've been getting a decent amount of rain. So going out after those and even going out during those rain showers uh, to check cameras, uh, you could definitely tell that that these bucks are, are kind of on the move with, you know, making sure that those are updated and uh, and freshened as as uh, the rain passes through. I think in a lot of the country that sign making has peaked, but what do you guys do with that information when you find a bunch of rubs or scrapes somewhere? Are you setting up on that to hunt, or are you just putting cameras on there to, to get inventory of what deer are around? Yeah, we we're we're using the the scrapes that are that are popping up. We we'll throw a camera on those as well, but we also have some mock scrapes that we've started that that the bucks are using as well. Um, but yeah, we're we we don't typically set up on those, although uh, it seems that we have a few that have popped up near stand locations that we prefer. Um, you know, typically where we are, we get a, a tr- traditionally uh, west uh, northwest wind. So. Um, some of those are actually going to be pretty beneficial. I, last night I sat and saw probably a three-and-a-half-year-old buck uh, on its feet right before dark, which was the best encounter I'd had so far. He had a busted-off right, right side already, but he uh, kind of followed the plan. He came down a trail that had a scrape on it, and, and I watched him go over to uh, a scrape that popped up near one of our stand locations, and he... You know, he scraped and freshened, and then uh, as soon as he was done, there were six does probably 30 or 40 yards from him. He immediately took off after one of those does, chased her. And um, so I think we're beginning to see, you know, a bit more of that aggression and frustration that's uh, that's peaking now. And, you know, the doe got away a couple minutes later. He was doing his best to take a tree down. So think we're beginning to see a little bit more of that uh that movement and that activity that we're all looking for what is what do the food sources look like in new york right now well we have a fair amount of acorns but traditionally the spots that we hunt don't have uh, a lot of of oaks so we're still seeing um, does coming out to green fields 
Um, you know, we have a fair amount of alfalfa here and a lot of the corn that, that is around the areas that we're able to access has been down now for you know, a month. Uh, yeah, about a month. So those have, have dried up with activity for the most part. So I'm sure there's some browse in the woods, but yeah, last night even coming out, there were does out in the field uh, in the alfalfa. What strategies do you have for calling this time of year? For the most part, we stay fairly quiet. Um, you know, New York is a pretty heavily pressured area, so uh, we we tend to stay quiet until uh, another week or two when things start to heat up a bit, and uh, and more of that talking is you know acceptable. Um, you, there's just so many guys in the woods, and um, we we try our best to keep the calls in the bag until you know. If, you know, I was ready last night, had a, had a deer popped up at that scrape or whatever that if I could have pulled him over just a bit, then I probably would have done that. But uh, we're not really doing much blind calling at all at this point. How about with morning setups? Uh, this is a time of year when people tend to get a little more aggressive and doing a lot more morning sits. How about you guys in New York? Yeah, we we typically hold off on those, at least this year we have. Uh a lot of our setups are just hard to access in the mornings. Again, there's so much farmland around us and it just seems that most every good spot that we need to get to is, uh, you, you know, you're exposing yourself while they're out feeding. So we're just not to a point where the does are, you know, kind of hiding from the bucks and, and they're out there and we're trying to, keep them as uneducated as possible up to this point going forward then this next week or so what do you think that buck activity will be on a scale of one to ten in new york i think it's gonna i think it's gonna increase uh as yesterday i would have said somewhere around a four or a five but after last night's sit and uh and talking to a friend who had uh, killed a pretty nice buck day before yesterday it does seem like it's ramping up so I think by, you know, a week from now or within the next week, we could be, you know, closer to a seven. All right, Justin. Well, good luck to you and the guys from Everwild Collective. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, Spencer. All right. And joining us on the line next is Taylor Coleman from Captured Creative in Minnesota. Now, Taylor, in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten? I would say the buck activity in Minnesota here has been a solid six to seven out of 10 in the last week. Um, before, before the middle of this past week, it was probably down at like a three, but just in the last five days or so, it's really been picking up. Um, we're seeing, uh, mature bucks on their feet before, before the end of light. And, and actually there's been a few sightings of them tailing does already as well. Is there any reason specifically that you think the buck movement's gotten so much better, uh, some weather front or crop status, or just because we're getting closer to November? So typically for us, the the rut hits the first two weeks of November. Um, but this year, it seems like it's been a little earlier. I mean, there's even guys hunting the first week of October that were seeing deer movement that they typically don't see until the end of October. And I think all that is because of the the few cold fronts that we had sort of hit us early. Um, Even we had one major cold front hit us already at the end of September. And then there was another big push that came through 
the first weekend of October. And those were, those kind of caught us off guard. Um, we even had temps down into, into the twenties, which is very, uh, un, unlike the, the norm for Minnesota at the first of October. So I think that that is pushing some of the bucks to start chasing a little earlier. Um, and then on top of that, in the last few days here with the rut activity really picking up, we've had some really strong uh, pressure spikes that I think is aiding that as well as the moon phase. What are the food sources like right now in Minnesota? Um, are there still a lot of standing crops around and how's the acorn crop look this year? So the acorn crop is, is very strong this year. Um, it seems like everybody that is able to hunt over acorns, has said that there's just acorns covering the ground. Um, unfortunately, I'm not able to hunt over any acorn crops, but um, where I'm hunting, I'm hunting a lot of egg fields, and the soybean harvest is probably around 75 to 80% out right now. Um, seems like there's guys rolling every day, pulling soybeans out, and then there's actually some that have moved on to corn and pulled some corn out and probably probably say the corn harvest is around 20 to 30 percent out right now and in the next week that's going to change a lot so by the by the middle of rut like the first week of november we should be seeing a lot of egg fields already being harvested it sounds like you're hunting a lot of field edges right now Uh, on those field edges what does the sign making look like lately do you think we we've hit peak rubbing and scraping it yeah i would say it's 100 percent at the peak of of the bucks in their pre-rut action. Um, there's every scrape that I walk past on the way to my deer stands is freshened up every single day. Um, unfortunately I haven't had a chance to be, be sitting next to one of those when a buck actually comes in to check it out, but, um, or a mature buck, I should say last night I was actually sitting over one about 20 yards from me and I had two year, uh, year and a half old bucks both come in and, uh, they were pawing at the ground and, and work in that scrape. So, and the, and the ruts, it seems like or the rubs, I should say are really, uh, active and, and showing up on all the little trees right now in the last week. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Minnesota? I would, I would put the next, next week of buck activity to at a 10. So I think this next week is going to be the best time to be in the woods. Um, as gun hunting starts the first two weeks of, of November. So leading up to that gun hunting, um, this is going to be the best time for bow hunters to hit the woods. All right, Taylor. Well, I like your optimism in Minnesota. Thanks for joining me and good luck. Thank you. All right. And joining us on the line next is Philip Vanderpool from the Virtue TV in Arkansas. Now, Philip in Arkansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? I'd say the buck activity has probably been about a seven or an eight. It's it's starting to happen. Yeah, uh, starting to see a lot of movement. Uh, new bucks are showing up. Matter of fact, uh, a buck I nicknamed OJ, um, probably jumping the gun here a little bit, showed up this morning in daylight right in front of my tree stand. The covert trail cameras is telling me the story right there of what's going on. That's that's the good thing. I'm kind of doing it from those LTE cameras, the cell cams. They're really helping out. 
Well, Philip, let's back up a few days uh, because you just killed a monster buck in Arkansas, and that deer is a world-class whitetail no matter what part of the country you killed it in. So tell us a little bit about that buck and a little bit about that hunt. Just, you know, the, the short version of it, this is a buck I nicknamed Obsession. This has been a three-year quest. He had a range of about five miles. Um, I'm finding out from the neighbors there was more people hunting him than I thought. And nobody has showed me a daylight picture yet. This deer was totally a nocturnal deer from what we've seen. But uh, I put in a big-time buck brunch food plot. I had the covert trail cameras out and just hand-planted this plot. And this last Saturday, I was fortunate enough to get an arrow on this big guy. And it's the first time I'd really ever seen him in daylight right there. I self-videoed the hunt. And uh, with my new ritual bow, that's a bow that's not uh, the R30, that's just now getting ready to be released. And that makes my second 170 class whitetail that I've taken this this fall. I've been truly blessed. Um, and th- like I say, this is probably maybe the highlight of my career because this is, I shot this buck less than 50 yards of where I shot my very first Pope and Young Whitetail back in 1990 that I actually won the Arkansas Big Buck Classic in the archery division. I won third overall, but to take a buck of this caliber, he is just, uh, I believe he has the biggest frame of any whitetail that I've ever taken, and, and I think I've got over 80 mounts now and uh, all bow kills, and he's just unbelievable my uh emotion and then having my granddaughter who's four years old is wanting to go hunting with her papa all the time she was right there when we done the recovery uh Rhonda was there my wife and we just it was just a a big buck celebration totally that was simply off the charts I, i've been truly blessed this year was there something specific about that day? You killed that buck on October 20th. Uh, was there some sort of conditions about October 20th that made you go after him? Or do you think you had him pegged so good that you would have had chances well, to kill him, uh, you know, all throughout the end of October here? Uh, no. The the deer, I think the whole key to this was the food plot. It It, it just seemed to be right in his travel pattern for one thing he's coming out of this big thicket i had found shed antlers of him from from actually three years ago when i started really putting the time in it but i think the weather conditions the day before it rained all day i couldn't hunt and i mean it was just pouring down all day and then right before dark i actually went out to hunt a ground blind where i had an encounter with him the evening before which was the very first time i'd ever laid eyes on the deer but i he was within bow range he got within 15 yards of me and i could not get the shot he bumped a spike off and i couldn't get the shot the next day it rained all day and then i knew i needed to be in that tree stand but i i because of the weather conditions with all the camera gear and me self-videoing, I decided I'm going to stay out. I'm going to hunt the ground blind because I can stay dry. He didn't show up. I had another buck or two show up in front of the ground blind. But that buck showed up that evening right in front of my trail camera again in the pouring rain. I couldn't believe it. And he's out there in the food plot. And I, 
my heart just sank because of the next day was muzzleloader season. And then I knew I had to get in there. So I got in there the next day and I hunted all day. Okay. I got in that, I got in that tree stand oh hour, hour and a half before daylight. And I stayed and I had some four small, small bucks come in, but he didn't show. And then right at six thirty, prime time, that last 30 minutes of light, I'm, I'm an emotional person anyway. But I could not control my emotion. I was literally in a in a, a world to myself. I mean, and I give God all the glory. I mean, without Him, I couldn't be doing this. And uh, but I was blessed. I had a feeling. I got this overwhelming feeling before I blew that stretch back grunt call that something good was going to happen. Well, any hunter would have been emotional having that happen, even someone who has 80 mounts on the wall. So I'm going to back up even further now to last season, Philip. When I talked to you then, you had talked about the overwhelming acorn crop in Arkansas. Is that the case again this season? Not not so. Uh, from what I've been out and seen, they're very spotty this year. So people out there looking, uh, where I'm finding most of my acorns this year for sure is around those edges of, of fields or openings where the where they they'll get more sunlight if, if that makes sense um and uh there again now on the property that i'm hunting here what i am finding is some of those i don't know for sure i think it's a red oak variety tree uh they're little they're little bitty acorns and and i say acorns here i'm sorry i'm <laughs> from the south down here we can't pronounce right most of the time but the acorns down here they're small on these big trees and they're along this fence line and they are absolutely bent over. And I think that's another reason. And they're just now starting to fall. And so I'm going to see more buck or more deer activity. I think on the property I'm hunting because of that. And they're starting scrapes are starting to open up. I'm not seeing a lot of big buck sign yet. As far as rubs and scrapes, a matter of fact, obsession, the buck I just shot, I don't think he has rubbed a single tree. Now I've seen some good rubs, but it's, it's those other bucks around that's doing it. And, uh, another buck I call obsession junior, he's already broke off. He's, he's really a big frame deer. He's going to take after his daddy, I assume. And he's already broke off a G2 right on the base of of, of his uh, main beam there. He's already snapped one off. He's he's really an aggressive deer. It's funny how they all are different. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Arkansas? I think it's going to be about an 8 or 9 because we're going to have the weather conditions. And if we continue to get this this cold snap and these cool temperatures I think you're going to see a lot of rut, rut activity, especially when that barometer pressure is a, a moving, uh, especially on the rise. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be exceptional myself. These muzzleloaders, it's muzzleloader season right now. They're going to tear it up. Art Philip, well, congrats again on the awesome deer. I'm sure you'll have a few more this season that go down. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate the time. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Hunt's Rut Radio. Thanks to Josh, Philip, Taylor, and Justin for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you follow Wired to Hunt on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and follow me, Spencer Newharth, and my blog, Rutfresh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And like you'll see in those reports and we talked about in this week's episode, 
the best time of year is approaching. So make sure you get some tree stand time in and good luck to everyone out there. Stay wired to hunt.